Welcome to the Babbling Pastor Podcast. The best and worst and most mediocre podcast on the internet. The podcast where Rob reads the Bible. Hey, I'm your host, Michael, and this is... I'm sorry, I was just in the moment there. <laughs> wow, that was that was special. Yeah. Well, I have been called special before. So so <laughs> I've also uh, been called uh by by my I think it was my fourth or fifth grade teacher, underperforming. That's also been a word that's uh <laughs> I I will I will also forever tell the story about when I was taken out into the hallway uh and forever scarred by being told that um you're not that smart. <laughs> you failed your or like I don't know if this ever happened to you. I know it didn't happen to my wife because she was in the gifted and talented class. Um by the by the way, I thought as a kid that that was like the that was like the uh elementary equivalent of the Illuminati. I was like you got to be like super special to get gifted and talented. So, um anyway, I was taken out to the hallway after I step. You remember I step? And uh yeah, they, wow. They, yeah, I haven't heard that in a long right. time. Right. Yeah, I don't even think it's a thing anymore. It used to be a thing. They've changed the name. Yeah. But they took you out in the hallway and they're like, you know, you scored this, that and the other. <laughs> and then they were like in English. Um, yeah, you're not, <laughs> so it's just... which, which if anybody <laughs> reads anything I ever write, oh, like they're gosh. not, they weren't wrong. They weren't wrong. I mean, the test was fairly accurate in determining that my grammatical capabilities were not quite up to par. So, yeah, but it did scar me as a child. I mean, I just remember thinking, man, I'm an idiot. <laughs> what am I going to do in life? And now I do a podcast. So take that, Mrs. Yeah. Whatever your name was. Crandall? I have no clue. I really don't know. I the only I know that's the English that's the English class that you and I used to get in trouble in anyway. Well it meant it, it must have it might have been her. The only the only teachers I remember, and I can't say their name, but because I I just don't want to <laughs> Not that anyone will ever listen to this podcast, but I remember whenever one of my teachers got divorced from another one of my teachers because he was cheating on her with another teacher. <laughs> like, I remember that whole ordeal as a child being like that being the big scandal. Uh, anyway, guys, welcome to the Babylon Pastor podcast where I rehash my childhood trauma. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, another TikTok. We're going through TikToks. This one is much different than the previous three. Um, this one is actually really long as well. It's going to be three minutes, just over three minutes. And I think the point he's making, it's pretty clear in this in this video, he's not a believer, um, but the, the, um, the thing that he talks about here, I think is incredibly pertinent. And I think that it really speaks to what we see revealed in various parts of scripture, uh, especially some of Paul's epistles that he writes. Now, there is some cursing in this. When you hear it, it will be bleeped out, but just expect the beeps that will be coming. Uh, because again, I mean, the man doesn't care what he says. He's just trying to make a point. So let's go ahead and listen to it, and then we will discuss it. The reason that there is such a void of male role models for young men is because we literally do not have adult males in our population anymore. 
what do I, what do I mean by that? There's no adult males. Like there's grown men everywhere, but they're not actually physiologically adult human males. They're not. I'm going to teach you guys some fun. So in uh, biology, there's this thing called neoteny. It's essentially an organism will retain juvenile traits as it ages if it doesn't get stressed out enough. Okay. If you live in an environment that's too like easy, you don't actually develop adult characteristics. I noticed this when I was in high school. I grew up in a very affluent area. And when we went to our grad night, it was at Disneyland. And we went with a bunch of inner city schools. And everyone I was with realized that all of these kids looked like adults. They looked so much older than us. It's, yeah, because they were in a more st stressful environment, which caused their adrenal glands to upregulate, which caused higher testosterone levels, which made them literally adults. It made them adults in a way that we were still juvenile. Every organism has multiple phenotypes it can have, all right? Your phenotype's dictated by your genes, but what dictates which genes get expressed is your environment. The best example of this is pigs. So domesticated pigs, the pink ones that you all know and love, that's, that's one phenotype. It's not even their healthy phenotype. You take a, a domesticated pig, you release it into the wild. After six months, you have a feral boar that has grown thick, curly hair and tusks. Why? Well, being in the stressful environment causes its adrenal glands to upregulate, increasing testosterone production, causing it to take on a different phenotype of a boar. Another example of this is with wolves and foxes. If you start to breed wolves and foxes and you select for more passive traits, their adrenal glands get smaller. As their adrenal glands get smaller, they develop floppy ears, curly hair, and spots, all things we find in domesticated dogs. All right, it's all based off the, off the adrenal glands. Look at the population right now of adult men. What do we got? Men have never been fatter with lower testosterone. Men have never been fatter with lower testosterone. Those are both juvenile characteristics. It's because they're domesticated. Most people are domesticated. So why do men have all these juvenile characteristics? It's because people are domesticated animals now. Most human beings are domesticated animals, especially if you live in the United States. A domesticated animal is an animal fed by humans, taken care of by humans in order to get economic gain from them. What do you idiots do all day you just consume consume media consume pills consume food you are domesticated livestock and then you use your free time to then generate more labor and wealth for rich people you're domesticated animals the reason young men have no one to look up to is because a little piglet wouldn't look up to a pig it wants to be a boar and all it sees around it's pigs and it's like i don't feel that in my heart i feel like i'm a boar in here but i have all these pigs in charge telling me that don't worry i'm definitely a piggy Okay, so there's that, right? So there's, there's. It took like this turn at the end, but the I think the essence of it is really what you see. Um, so like speaking of like why Joe Rogan is so popular, or like why Justin Peterson is so popular, or why like the the men men like the manly men that are talking about are like are really have such an audience. I think really comes from a lot of what he's talking about, but there's also this incredible truth that we see Paul like tap into in his epistles when he's talking about how the church should operate and who should teach who that really draws from this same reality. There's this undercurrent that, that secularists seem to be seeing and tapping into that, um, that obviously other cultures in the past have tapped into as well. But one of the things that we see, especially that came to mind when I was watching that was when Paul, especially in like Titus two is talking about older men, teaching younger men to have self-control or just the leadership that's set up within the church or the family. This idea that, um, 
right now we're in a place in society that clearly even secularists or humanists are like, uh, yeah, this ain't supposed to be how this is working right now, that they recognize it, uh, but don't really have an answer for it, right? So he sort of turns to the end of like, yeah, you're all a bunch of piggies and you don't even know what to do and you're just serving the man. Um, when like, that's definitely the humanistic path that that'll take you down. Whereas in scripture, um, again, the gospels don't really speak a ton to it, but that's, that wasn't really the point of the gospels. But when we get to uh, definitely Paul's epistles and talking about leadership and what that looks like and how it's supposed to be developed, we see him touch on these points a bit to where, you know, there's a structure in the home that's supposed to be set up. And I think really at the end there, and there's a whole lot to unpack in this, but in the end where he's talking about, you have a bunch of people that know that they're supposed to be men specifically that know they're supposed to be more, but they're looking up to a bunch of pigs <laughs> and they're like, I don't think I want to be a pig. Um, I, I, there's something more here. And I think that really taps into the reality of what we see, especially um, in the epistles when Paul is calling men to, to this, 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 to more than, you know, what they're, what they're doing in their culture. But anyway, there's a lot there. What's your first impressions? Uh, Other than the fact that he said fat and curly hair and he's fat with curly hair. I, I think that I enjoyed the tusks that he's grown. Yeah. They're as admirable beard. Yeah. Yeah, he it was it was all right. Um so I I I will say this to start things off. I think that he unknowingly and unintentionally um is more biblical than a large swath of evangelicalism today. That was my thought as well. Um so uh, there there is a so we could we could obviously go to the text in James, right? Count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. And then he he goes into directly goes into the benefits it it, it uh, develops you uh, you know um, and and I think that this is something that you know Jesus didn't talk about a ton uh, but but that you can observe even in the Gospels and that um, uh, so the as a for instance there's a story uh, when he is in the, I mean the famous story of the them being in the boat on the Sea of Galilee storm tumultuous storm actually um the greek word involved in that kind of calls it a seismic level so it's the same word that has to do with earthquakes (laughs) um so it was that kind of storm uh that they were walking through jesus stood up and said knock it off and the storm quits immediately and um but but those disciples were definitely afraid for their lives right well, what does that do? Uh, at, at the end of the day, what we see is disciples, uh, many of them martyred traditionally, in, um, uh, and they were able to do that because of those kind of developing moments. Um, that they, they were able to endure hardship and, and difficulty and uh, stand up when uh, the, the world around them was saying, uh, we're going to kill you if you stand up. Um, and, and first Peter four thirteen he says, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, uh, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Um, and then there are lots of other examples that Paul in Colossians says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh, I'm filling up 
what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. So Paul is in this situation and so often in his ministry where he's in prison and getting beaten up and all of these things. He even gives you a list, right? Um, and uh, of all of the things that he endured. And this, this kind of thing is happening. Uh, and Paul is able to endure it. Paul is only developing more. His skin is only becoming more calloused as he walks through this, this whole ordeal. I think that um, how that fits into the picture practically nowadays is in the church. Uh, the, the feminism has been happening for a long time now in the world, and we have become so accustomed to it that that we don't even realize or know what uh, what the world was like, what the worldview was before the deep, uh, you know, uh, sort of talons of feminism. Uh, uh, gripped everything and, and up to and including the church. Um, and so Paul in Galatians, when he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Uh, um, you have several men uh, who now publicly say those kinds of things to certain church folks or certain things that, that are legitimately calling out sinful garbage, right? Uh, but when you today, when you say, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Um, everybody begins to cry, right? And you end up on a Christianity Today podcast or something, right? Um, or, or in an article or, or people get mad at you or whatever, right? And you, we, we actually need men to be men who know what being a man is. Um, the world needs that. And, uh, and you don't get there without hardship. You don't get there without building those calluses up, right? You can't have proverbial dishwashing hands as a as a man, and uh, and then expect to operate like someone with hardened calluses <laughs> spiritually, right? So I, I actually agree with a lot of what he said, uh, and and it's, in the context of the church world, it's not a lot different. We have a lot of passivity. That's the part of the curse, right? And we need to punch that in the face to be manly about it <laughs> well and i think what's interesting is that again as i'll just call him a humanist i mean that seems to be sort of his i mean the way he's speaking sort of his background and the idea that even built into nature is this reality that um pressure produces strength um just by nature of it and when you don't have that then, you know, what's that saying? Uh, uh, hard times produce hard men, soft times produce soft men, something, it's something along those lines. But the idea being that, um, if you don't, if you, if you live too easy for too long, when hard times come, you're not prepared for them. And then you just kind of let them happen because you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And to talk about, I mean, we can talk about feminism, but I think also a part of it, what we have. And I think the reason that it's so important to have like a Titus two sort of mentality with the church is that you have men that will raise boys to become men. And when you don't, when you have a lack of, I mean, again, in that same chapter, there's godly women teaching, you know, godly girls how to become godly women. There's this, there's this natural progression, yeah. but if you have, there's nothing wrong with a godly woman, you need godly women, but godly women aren't the ones that are supposed to raise up the, the boys. Um, because there's a way that women will approach boys that men just aren't going to do, right? There's a coddling that happens by nature, which is yep. good and it's needed at times. But there's also a time when 
Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember if I was hurt, um, there would be times where I knew who I want. If I wanted to be, you know, if so, if I wanted somebody to feel bad for me, I knew which parent to go to. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew which one not to go to uh, because mm -hmm. there was there was going to be a just suck it up or there was going to be let's get you a Band-Aid. And so it was a matter of like, I think part of what's really happened, not just in the church. I mean, he's not talking about the church. He's talking about society in general. But I think when you have such a, I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but when you have a society that has fatherlessness and you're missing um, you're, you're missing, you know, people being brought up with the, Hey, it's going to be hard, deal with it. And we're going to get through it. Um, when you have that not being present and the, uh, this nature of always like, well, we'll take care of it. We'll figure it out. It'll be okay. Come let me kiss your boo-boo. Um, and you, you have everything operating that way. You have your bosses operating mm -hmm. that way. You have the government operating that way. You have, we'll just, we'll figure it out other than, um, back. I mean, I remember when my grandpa was alive I mean, he talked about World War II where it was very much like, uh, you, you're going to get it done. <laughs> like, I don't, you got a broken leg. Okay. Figure it out. Like, it was just a matter of like, you, <laughs> you realize that you're, it's you versus, I mean, he would tell stories of when he was a kid remembering, um, like the end of the great depression. And it was like, you either work harder than that guy or you don't eat. And so it was a matter of like just this mentality of I don't care if something happened, figure it out. And we, again, we just don't have that a lot. And I think that's sort of what that that gentleman is really pushing toward is that when you have a bunch of people that are just above you that are super soft telling you to be super soft, it doesn't develop in you the fullness of what you just as a human I mean, let's eliminate the whole just church part. As a human, you're actually created to be. There's so much potential in you um, that just isn't utilized. And then when you bring in the reality that you were made in the image and likeness of God, and there are there's so much there that he can do with you and produce in you that, um, that we just don't realize. There's lots of times, and the pastors I incredibly appreciate are the ones that are honest enough to tell you that the hard times aren't comfortable, but they're actually usually better for you. Like it's not the times of like great amazingness of joy that you are going to really grow in your faith. It's actually the terrible times that you're going to grow the most. Um, the most I've ever grown in my faith is always the terrible times. It's the times where both my kids, we didn't know if they were going to live. You want to talk about having nothing but faith. Uh, the times where I've lost my job and I had no clue what I was going to do. You want to talk about, <laughs> Hey, you want to increase your prayer life? <laughs> like that's, that's the way to do it. Um, and so there's all of these really <laughs> difficult times that come along that are actually, again, he has, he's not even talking about believers, but that are built into us, um, that God is going to use for his glory. Um, that oftentimes we run from and don't embrace that we actually need to become the people that we need to be. Um, and I think what you see in society right now, again, is what, again, I think why Joe Rogan's and the Justin Peters are getting popular is because you have people that go, yeah, society's falling apart. There's a reason it is. No one's, you know, we got a bunch of soft people that don't want to stand up to anybody. And that's where you said that, you know, I think at the beginning when you said that, you know, he's more biblical than most people in evangelicalism is because at least he recognizes that you've been raised in a soft environment and it's made you soft. Um, <clears throat> where um, most of the time, if you hear anything, 
It was somebody that shared. I don't know what happened together for the gospel, but apparently people don't like T4G anymore. But, um, or not T4G, uh, the Gospel Coalition. That's the one that people are. But the idea is, it's like, well, you know, we're going to be, we don't want to upset the cart. We just want to make sure we get along with everybody. And um, that leads to capitulation to like extent to where, and I'm going to say Voldemort's name here. For whenever you have people like Doug Wilson that'll just be like, blah, here it is. He gets so much crap for just being like, hey, uh, yeah, transgenderism is a, that's a terrible thing. <laughs> like, it, you just say something that's so obvious. <laughs> and everybody's like, you're hateful. He's like, I, what? <laughs> and it's because you've been, I think, just in a very indirect way to what this gentleman is saying, you've been raised in a place that has been so comfortable for so long that you just don't like, even in the church, you don't realize that there are godly principles that you're supposed to stand up for and teach people underneath you to, to, to do the same. But yeah, um, that there, there's a, uh, so we're, we're beginning a, a study, uh, from Joel Beakey, um, who, if you don't know who that is, you should get to know who that is. He's excellent. Um, but he he says uh, something in it's called it's about assurance of faith, um, and he says something in the first like the introductory lecture that he gives um, about this culture that we have a feeling, and how it it tends to be the enemy of assurance of faith, um, because we we feel like we're um, I feel like I'm not a Christian sometimes because of my sins and and that sort of thing. Um, and, and that culture of feeling feelings, meaning so much in our culture, um, uh, tends to replace or, or, um, uh, take weight away from the actual facts of the gospel, the actual fact of what Christ has done. Um, and, and how much, how it's infinitely more weighty than the things that I've done. Right. Um, and so, but talking about that culture of feeling, I think that that, that has had devastating ramifications for uh, our society as a whole. It's, it's normal for, and I'm going to, I'm going to do a Doug Wilson just for a second. It's, it's normal for girls to have feelings. It's actually okay for men to have feelings. Of course we have feelings. Um, but but if your feelings run you, this is what you get, right? You, you end up with a society that is, that is completely run by emotional this and emotional that. In fact, we have um, entire cultures now that uh, it, within the Christian world that um, uh, I, I heard uh, it was a, a Brad Pitt uh, article that was being talked about. Uh, he was interviewed um, and he he talks about his childhood and he he was uh, raised actually in a semi-christian sort of setting um and then went to what went from like a baptist setting to a uh uh very charismatic like setting and from what he described it seemed like an extremely charismatic setting um and they would have these uh these moments um he called them revivals i would say it's probably not but he would have these moments where uh, they would they would attend these meetings and 
um, just this overwhelming emotional whatever, you know? And then he realized he went to a rock concert or two and realized that literally the same exact feeling was at this rock concert. And it has it, actually whatever he was experiencing has as much to do with the, the music and how music moves you and that sort of thing um, than it has to do with any kind of work of the spirit. Um, and uh, so that's that's just the kind of thing that we're involved in now right like the emotionalism um you have to consider everyone's feelings before you say true things right <clears throat> i'm not saying don't be tactful i would not say that right and and i don't attempt that you know like when i'm when i'm counseling someone i just had a meeting last night with a couple and um i mean i'm i'm gonna think about who my audience is and and take that into consideration and not be a a heartless jerk about it but i'm also not gonna like not say the true things right um and that's that's where we've we've gone completely off the rails because the gospel coalition is guilty of this that they they um i mean not i don't know all the people who write the, in the gospel coalition but we've become so obsessed with making sure everyone's happy and okay and loves us and all this stuff that that we're too afraid to say things that are that are true that the world needs we want to we want to be very quick to say uh jesus loves you and he can you know help help you out of the situations you're in and all these things and um we can be quick to todd white grow your leg out uh while while um never mentioning that oh by the way um if you don't repent and believe you're going straight to hell for all eternity like there's a, there's a change that has to happen you must be born again the literal words of christ <laughs> right um so i i think that so much of that has to do with really what this guy was talking about yeah yeah, on that note, real quick, before we get too far from it, as soon as you said that, I was like, that would be a good He Gets Us commercial. I don't know if you've seen that campaign where it's just like, repent, believe, or burn in hell. He gets us. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just don't think, uh, yeah. I don't think that would go very well. It sounds, like the, sounds like the perfect parody. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, There's yeah, a meme for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I made, uh, you know that Vody Bauckham sermon that he gave at uh, Shepherd's Conference, the end, the whole gospel thing? So I just I took that and turned it into a he gives us commercial. It's on the YouTube. So it's it's on the page. Oh, okay. All right. But uh I'll have to check I mean, that out. All I had to do was make it black and white and then put he gets us at the end. But the point is that would have been a bomb commercial. It's three minutes, so it would have been millions of dollars, but it would have been totally worth it. Um uh, I would have watched the Super Bowl if I knew Vody Bakum would be on there preaching the gospel. So um <laughs> I, uh, I, I, that should be the halftime show. Just oh. like a sermon jam? Can you imagine? Like, it would be so awkward. Be like, what? Bro. I, thought, I thought this was Rihanna. Who's this guy? I don't know who this guy yeah. is. <laughs> but uh, oh anyway, gosh. yes. I thought we were going to see lewdness. <laughs> well, this is lewd. He's telling us we're sinners. Um, but anyway, so to to the end of the point, yeah, I think that what, what he says here and what I think that what really caught my attention um, on this entire thing was that the reality of how God has designed humanity to work um, is really, I mean, we're talking even pre-fall, the whole, the fact that they were supposed to garden and supposed to work before, like things, I mean, they were supposed to do things, that, um, that even that is retained within the very base levels 
of humanism of this idea that like you know they recognize scriptural truth without acknowledging scriptural truth um which goes back to paul's whole thing in romans like you know you know there's something here you just don't know what that thing is um that there are certain basic truths of the universe that you cannot avoid that god has put into place and i thought that was very interesting uh, to talk about especially with the, the some of the points he made as far as uh indirectly to masculinism uh, and, and all of that. So anyway, guys, hopefully you found that helpful. If you didn't, I don't care. No, I was <laughs> go, uh, go ahead and leave a like or a dislike or whatever. You know the thing. We'll talk to you later. Bye.